Hey, everybody. How you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. With me, as always, Philadelphia's number one Flyers beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. I am almost ready for the start of training camp. It's going to start, I believe, I think it's 8.30 is when Torts begins to send these guys through the, uh, the death run on the ice. I'll be there for it. I can't, can't wait. wait. I really can't <laughs> wait. It's uh, it's been a long time coming. It feels like the Flyers season has been over quite a quite a while. Uh, you know, no playoffs yet again. Yet and again. here we are on the eve of training camp. And today's show is going to be a lot about the roster battles we are going to see uh, coming into this coming into this training camp, which I guess unofficially kicked off today they it had did, the, yeah they did like the uh, you know the pictures and stuff and uh they had their physicals but tomorrow begins the on ice work the coaching staff the players i'm pretty excited i'm pretty excited for the start of this season not because i have high expectations <laughs> of any kind yeah, please but don't <laughs> i know if you have high expectations out there lower them you're only going to disappoint yourself uh it's that's that's really <laughs> you know it's it's not bright uh, to really believe even this team, but there are certain things about this team that I am excited to see. You know, first and foremost, we're going to talk about roster locks, like Sean Couturier coming back. I'm just happy for the dude. Same with Cam Atkinson. But I did have a little quick hit to start the show off before we get into these uh, roster locks today, Charlie. Okay. You know, we've spent. I wonder what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe spent, your favorite topic to use to troll me. We've spent time on previous iterations of this show, Broad Street Hockey, uh, saying perhaps the captaincy a bit overrated. Like, you know, the reason the Flyers don't win is because Drew's a bad captain. It's like, well, the reason the Flyers don't win is because... Claude Giroux is nobody to pass to, and there's no defense or goalies. Yeah, they have, like, like <laughs> two really good players yes. and then five players that are the next level, then yeah. the rest of the roster is garbage. And that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> uh, but I feel like it's... Maybe not becoming underrated, but I'm just seeing like there were a couple of days ago, eight teams that lacked a captain heading into this season. Of course, we talked on was it the last show about Braden Shen becoming right. the Blues captain. And today, I think Brad Marchand uh, gets gets named uh, the successor to Bergeron. Yes. So he is now Boston's captain. Six teams remaining without anyone wearing a C. It's the Ducks, uh, Coyotes, Flames, Blackhawks, Kraken, and the Flyers. Flyers going into a second straight year without anyone wearing a letter. And I don't think it's the biggest deal in the world for this team. But I do like that teams are, especially this one, like after a legendary captain, whatever you believe of Claude Giroux and his tenure. Uh, I really can't put a lot of blame on that man because no. he's one of the most competitive people. If you, if you covered him like Charlie did every single day, I mean, the man is ridiculously competitive. There is a reason his golf club exploded that one year, <laughs> resulting in him having the hand injury. Maybe he did deal with some immaturity earlier in his career, but uh, one of the best flyers of all time. Oh, yeah, absolutely. History books will say how great he was. After a captain like that, a long ten. I don't want to just slap it on anyone. You know, there was the year, and they probably needed to, like Jason Smith was there to be the dad, and he was captain for one year, and then it was like, okay, time for Richards to take over. It's like, hmm, probably could have used someone a little longer wearing that. Because it, <laughs> yeah, right. it does matter, as much as I think fans, like... We shouldn't care as much. It does matter to the players. It does matter out there, and that's... One of the responsibilities is talking to the officials. I always want... I always want a uh, superstar wearing it because then he has the relationship with the officials. Didn't and maybe, work for Drew, though. No, but it never worked for <laughs> G because he never got superstar calls, which was insane. But anyway, like in my head, that's how I think of it. Like the Blackhawks don't have one. Uh, I wouldn't slap it on anyone until you, you decide, okay, Bedard's ready for it. Like that's the kind yeah. of situation I think the Flyers are in too. Maybe the current ca the next captain's on the roster right now. Maybe not. But I, I think like we're starting to underrate like that just just because of how much it matters to the players. I had a conversation with Kevin Hayes about it. 
I want to say it was last. I think it was the beginning of last year. And basically what Hayes told me, I did a story on it back when I was with The Athletic, and he basically said that the captaincy is both underrated and overrated. It's overrated by you guys. Properly rated. Because you, <laughs> you guys act like the captain has this magical power to make the team better than it actually is and that everything is on the captain. And in that way, it's overrated because when it comes down to it, the quality of the team is the quality of the team. Maybe a good leader can squeeze a little bit more out or prevent a spiral from completely going out of control. But for the most part, good teams are good, bad teams are bad, regardless of who the captain is. But he said it's underrated, as you implied, in the sense that the players really care. It's a big-time like honor. Like, if you earn that C, you feel like you accomplished something. Yes. Like, not lifting the cup, but, like, a personal check mark, like... The organization and your teammates, the coaches, they all believe you to be worthy. Well, and especially, maybe it doesn't matter as much. And it still obviously matters. It's still an honor. But one of those teams you mentioned was the Seattle Kraken. Maybe it doesn't matter as much to get named the captain of the Seattle Kraken. They're a brand new team. It doesn't really and have that weight. But if you get named the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers, that's a big deal. We're talking about a prestige franchise in the league. And if you're one of the people who got to wear the C for the Flyers, a team that even casual hockey fans know in a way that they don't know the Kraken or even like the Flames or the coyotes like people know the flyers and it's a big deal to be named captain of the flyers which is why players very much want that honor it's what it means to them it's what it means in the room it's what it means from a prestige standpoint around the league that you are the captain so in that way it matters it just isn't this magical thing where a captain can just look at a guy and make him play better yeah, like uh, Connor McDavid basically took the uh, Tortorella role this year and he threatened everyone. Like that's a, yeah, that's a captain move. But also once the season starts, the half the game he's not on the ice, he can't make the other guys score. Yeah. You know, like there is, there are things you can do as a leader, but like I do like the tack that, because uh, what was it? It was Mark Stone. They didn't, Vegas didn't have one. And then they were finally, okay, now we have a guy worthy of the C. We're going to slap it on him. Right. They didn't just okay first year we have to have a captain they didn't do that and Seattle doing the same thing I appreciate that they're taking it seriously from that perspective but yeah it's well, the Flyers lost because Drew's a bad captain like yeah Steve Mason let in a goal from center ice though <laughs> like maybe that had something more to Could do with it the reason yeah, maybe like, the Caps have like four guys going to the Hall of Fame Flyers have like maybe one. Yeah. Uh, I, I look, like I, there's I'm, nothing. So yeah, I get yeah. the overrated and underrated, but it was just something I was thinking about today as I'm reading like Brad Marchand say, you don't understand how much this means to me. Well, and especially playing, for him coming after Chara from, and then Bergeron. Taking, and like, yes, the secession there is yeah. legendary dudes who he lifted the cup with. Yeah. Like that's, that's a big deal. Exactly. But we've just, I mean, the drama surrounding the sea. And this is the last time we'll t actually talk about it for a while, Charlie. I, I do not believe that even I for mean, a second. I mean, have an actual conversation about <laughs> it. Like, we've seen in our lifetime what that thing means, it getting ripped off of Lindros, being yeah. given to Desjardins, Desjardins eventually going, yeah, Primo's the captain, so he should wear it. And then, like, trying to find someone after that has been until, had been until Giroux, like, how the hell do we sort this out? Yeah. Finally, they found G, and now next they need, G. Now they need to find another yeah. one. I like that. All right. So let's get to the uh, let's get to this the camp battles, everything that's going to transpire over the next uh, few weeks, the preseason and leading up to the uh, leading up to the opener in Columbus uh, next month. I want to start with the uh, with the lineup locks because these are the guys we can kind of just go. All right, pencil them in. And for me, the forwards, and we both kind of agreed on this. Couturier, Konechny, Farabee, Cates, Atkinson, Tippett, Frost, Lawton, Hathaway, Delorier. They're making the team, and we have a nice, uh, we have a nice yeah, this, little the, graphic the, for this, this here th as this well. This will be for the first roster battle. We'll get into this later yeah. in the show. But, yeah, I would say that if you're looking at this, what is that? Um, I'm just doing a quick count here. 
is that 10 or 11 guys? 10 guys. 10 guys who we see as essentially roster locks. 12, 12 play, but these guys are, whether they play or not, they're making they're the team. They're making the team. Yeah, you know, you could envision a scenario where, say, and we'll talk about this a little later, where, say, Nick Delorier or Garnet Hathaway isn't in the lineup, but I don't envision a scenario where either one of them isn't on the team. Can you envision a scenario where both aren't in the lineup? Not both, but one, uh, maybe. Yeah, okay, because I, like... They like the way Hathaway plays. They signed him for a He's reason. He's a good player. He's a good player. Hathaway it's, is a legitimately his, good fourth His liner. signing here, it's the one I understood the least. We talked about it. But he's like a good player. Like, come trade deadline, I'll understand it when they get something for him. But at the whole... Well, I the don't whole, know if they will. I, the whole I mean, they, playing they could, him, but... The whole playing him 50 to 60 games before that... <laughs> That's he's what I culture, don't really... He's a culture guy, clearly. Yeah. He's a guy that people like Jonesy and Breer looked at and said, he plays like a flyer. I want him on our but team. I, that, we, that was the thought process, I think. While these 10 guys are locks to make it, role to be determined. The first sure. one I have a question about is the first guy I named, Sean Couturier. Is the expectation, because it's... We keep hearing, oh, yeah, he was probably ready to go at the end of last season, and we were just like, dude, what's the point? Please, no. We're not going to let you do this to yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, we got a whole year next year and, like, seven more years on your contract. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, is he going to be full go 1C right away? Like, are we expecting Selkie 1C Couturier? Well, I don't know if we're expecting Selkie 1C I Couturier. Mean, because usage, I, don't, I don't know if that guy even exists anymore. Usage by the team. And I guess this is a tough Like, we have to see what he looks like yeah. in training camp and in the preseason games. But... Does he step in right away and he's 22 minutes a night? I think so. They Maybe they'll they'll cut his minutes a bit, especially because Noah Cage showed that he can hold up in tough minutes, so he might not get all of the tough shifts, but that might honestly be just as much about the fact that they're still trying to develop Noah Cates as it is that they're trying to shield Couturier. I think they're looking at it as Sean Couturier has now been healthy. Really, he's been cleared since last spring. He has an entire summer. He's going to be going through an entire camp. He's going to be going through preseason. I think they're going to look at it as if he makes it through preseason and training camp fully healthy and fully in shape and checks all their boxes with their sports science and stuff. Yeah, I think he starts the season out as their, in terms of usage, their 1C. Now, whether he can still play like a 1C is a completely different question. But I think in terms of usage, yeah, I expect him to be the first line center to start the year as long as he doesn't re-injure himself. And I guess my question coming off of Couturier, and it's just, we'll see. Like, it's a big, I wouldn't say question mark, because, again, he's a lock to make the team, and they're going to try to use him, but it's how effective is he going to be in that role. It's his line mates, and not a ton of questions about Travis Konechny. I suppose we can ask, like, is he going to be as effective as last year? We hope so. They're going to continue to use him on the PK, develop other aspects of his game, and then the big question mark just becomes... How long is he a flyer? Right. Maybe a while, maybe not that long. We will see. But the other guy that I'm kind of penciling into that top line, disappointing season coming back for some, coming back from the uh, from the disc replacement surgery, Joel Farabee. Farabee ended the season last year, 15 goals. When you look at the full season totals, it's like, ooh, not great. Not great for a guy that we thought was ascending, could maybe become a true first-line player for this team. Maybe not superstar, perennial all-star, but dude who helps you win games, definitely in your top six. You and I have often, I guess, it's unfair to compare anyone to Simone Gagne because the dude ruled clutch, you know, two-way player, awesome, top-line dude for half I've, of his career. I've, I've argued that but, Simone Gagne is the signature player of the 2000s for the Flyers. But... A ceiling maybe for Farabee was next Simone Gagne, guy who could do all those things yeah. that Gagne did. That's fair. And he comes back from the disc replacement surgery. And to me, last year was kind of a wash, kind of a past year. I want to see him just get healthy. And when you look at the full season totals, no. But last 15 games, and granted, like, season's over, right. didn't matter. Yeah. So you always have that. Well, he's playing in glorified scrimmages. But six goals, six assists in those last 15 games. Pretty damn good. Do you think they have him penciled in at first line left wing? No, I think he's going to have to earn it. I think I think that John Tortorella, him and Farabee butted heads a little bit last year. Yeah. I think in large part because 
Torts was conflicted about. And there were a lot of things about Farabee's game he liked. And on some level, he knew that this wasn't the real Joel Farabee in the sense that he wasn't really able to spend the previous offseason doing much work. He spent it mostly rehabbing his neck because he couldn't lift anything. So that, that wasn't Joel Farabee. And Torts had to tell himself repeatedly that I need to cut this guy some slack. But there were moments where the frustration yeah. bled over to the point where, and I mean, I can't say this with 100% certainty, but it does seem like when Farabee popped up on Frank Saravalli's trade list with a week before the deadline, that that was driven probably by someone in Farabee's camp. My guess is it was his agent calling up Frank Saravalli and being like, we're ticked off that our player isn't being used right. And also we have a head coach basically saying we're not giving him a pass for having this injury then it seemed like over the next month month and a half Tortorella made an effort to be more publicly understanding of Farabee's predicament of the fact that this probably wasn't the best of Joel Farabee the thing is though and I think John Tortorella in the end was willing to basically say okay I'll give you last year you get a pass thing is that he ain't going to be getting a pass this year. This is a put-up-or-shut-up year for Joel Farabee, not only in John Tortorella's estimation, but I think in a lot of fans' estimations, too, because this is a guy who... He kind of, I mean, obviously he was popular because he was a first-round pick, came up pretty young. But the year when I think he really caught everyone's attention was that season in 2021 when they started in January. It was the shortened year because of the pandemic. And every single young player on the team either stagnated or regressed, with the exception of Farabee. 20 goals in 55 was, games. Yeah, he was the one guy who really took a step forward to the point where the Flyers locked him up to a contract right after that season to a, a, the the Andrew McDonald special, the six year, $30 million contract. Since then, the next year, he kind of stagnated, didn't really improve. And then last year, granted, the injury played a role, but we're going on two straight years now where he hasn't taken a step forward. This is a big year for him. He really has to. And that's, I guess, like our, my frustration, like I last year chalked it up to like, dude's coming back from a surgery two other guys have had. Sure. Like it's him. And that's Michael and Tyler Johnson. We'll see, you know? Eichel in the playoffs showed like, oh yeah, you, you can get healthy He's again. Still real good, and that's what that's what like gives me a hope about Farabee's numbers. Like at the end of the year, much improved over the first you know sixty five games or whatever it was, but. The organization didn't seem to give him that slack, so I'm interested to see where it goes. And Torts wasn't here, but I guess the organization's frustration can go back to the year prior, where Probably. you know they're 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 expecting a big step from him. Twenty goals, fifty five games. Then he plays sixty three and scores seventeen. It's like ooh, all right. So maybe it's not just that one. And yeah. Tortorella's shown a little bit of that frustration, even though he wasn't here for that first stagnation. Yeah, he's still season. here, and everybody telling. Yeah, everyone that, to be yeah. sure. So maybe there's something to that. But beyond those top three guys, there, like, I'm just, I'm really interested to see. And I know, like, Dave Isaac making the lines. <laughs> we'll see, I, I know it's not you, and it wasn't him. Uh, but just like, I'm really interested to see how they set this thing up, like. Is Cam Atkinson as, one, a Torts guy to a veteran? Is he right away, second line, right wing? Like, that's where he's going to be. Or, like, is Tippett going to have to work his way up again? Or is he kind of going to be penciled into a certain spot? Like, from the rest of the dudes who are going to be in the top nine as locks, how do you think they're going to be deployed? Well, one thing I'll, I'll say, and I always say this, is... Try not to get hung up on line line combos in particular, Charlie. but also where guys are in the lineup. What matters significantly more is minutes and usage. Yes. Like a guy could be on the third line and you go, oh my God, why is Jake Voracek on the third line? And then you look at the end of the game and he's got 20 minutes. Yeah, because he played every power play. Because he played every power play and they gave him extra shifts. You know, they popped him in here and there. He jumped on for offensive zone faceoffs, things like that. So... I could envision a scenario, for example, where, say, Owen Tippett starts out on what nominally looks like the third line, but he does that because Morgan Frost is nominally the third line center, and they showed chemistry last year, and they want to keep that duo together. And then by the end of the game, you look at Owen Tippett as 19 minutes, and you say to yourself, okay, he, yeah, he's technically the third line wing, but he's getting the third most minutes in the forward group. So I would say pay more attention to that. That said, I think it's going to be really interesting how they make this whole thing shake out not necessarily the top nine because i think those guys the, the important guys are going to get their minutes to me it's going to be about 
how do they let these young kids get the kind of usage they're going to need if they prove they're NHL ready? That, to me, is going to be a storyline. I talk about it in my uh, my piece that's coming out tomorrow for diehard subscribers. My, I think it's like a 4,000-word training oh. camp and season preview. I went big on this now that's one. that's a Charlie special Oh, it's a right Charlie there. special. That's yeah. outstanding. So, so, uh, so if, you are, if you are a diehard subscriber, check that out. But one thing I note in that piece is essentially that What's going to stay a storyline the entire year is how they get all of these young players the ice time in the NHL they need in order to develop and in order to further the rebuild that they've announced that they want to do. And right now, you know, we're talking about Flyers roster locks, and we're very confident that, you know, the 10 names that we've been over, they're going to make the team. But if you've got some locks for NFL Week 3 you're confident in, the place to register that opinion that's right. It's DraftKings. Sure is. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? It's DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Uh, new customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. But nobody's missing out on the action this season because all DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. If you get those offers, you got your locks. Man, you get your free bets, your odds boosts, whatever it might be. Get your locks in at DraftKings. Get in on NFL Week 3 action with DraftKings Sportsbooks. Download the app now and use code PHLY to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Here we go. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. In Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in ONT. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming sources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply almost perfect almost yet a little flub but for, i it would was, give that like a good 95 out of 100 it's, it's getting, your best one yet it's getting bad we're gonna lose them as a sponsor before i perfect it <laughs> but I'm, I'm looking forward to uh to having them all season, so hopefully I get that 10 from Charlie. But he, you're a tough grader. I you am. Know, Chuck's a tough grader. You know what? You have to. I have to make it so that when you get the 100, you feel like yeah. you really earned it. Yeah, I, I, I'm more of a curve guy. Okay. Like, just grade me on a curve. Is that how college went for you? <laughs> there wasn't no curve saving me. Like, the Phillies had quite a run when I was in college, and... Uh, I, I aced that. Yeah. I, Phillies 101. You, you got yeah, an A in that class. I was excellent at watching the <laughs> Phillies when I was in college. Uh, we talked about, like, the forwards. It's going to be a wait-and-see thing. I think the roles of the top four defensemen, a lot more of a lock for, for the dudes who we know are going to be. Know are going to be here. Sanheim Ristolainen is your de facto top pair. Kind of? Maybe? I, that's year one of Ristolainen, we decided... Even the organization knows he's not a top pair guy. Here we are, though, yeah. and they don't seem to really have anyone else, and they like him with Sanheim. They like that dynamic, even though I guess he's gotten better at defense. Risto, despite his size, not a stay-at-home defenseman, but they're turning him into one. Sanheim, that more puck mover kind of guy. That's your, I guess, top pair. And then York Stahl, uh, just kind of, we'll see how these guys all get paired up. But we assume Cam York is going to be a big part of this. They like the way he finished the season. And Mark Stahl, after playing top four minutes for the Eastern Conference champion, you have to assume is going to be in a similar role uh, now with a team with uh, no defensemen. No, I think that's the case. I think... It makes sense to me that neither of these pairs are actually going to be a top pair, that they're more going to split up the minutes. But I do think the chalk pick is that Sandheim Rissalainen will get the tougher minutes at least to start. And this Stahl-York idea, I think if they would do it, York would probably move to the right side because Stahl's a lefty. But Which I love. I go back to Florida last year. And from what I've heard from people I talk to that pay attention to Florida that are more on the national side is that they, they paired Mark Stahl with Brandon Montour. 
pretty much all of last season. That partnership was a thing. And Montour had a monster year, scored a ton of points. And apparently every time they asked Montour kind of like what happened how are we able to break out he always said that mark stall has been a big help and i think they might so he look, was like his niskin a little bit yeah i think they may look at it as okay well let's try to do for cam york what mark stall did for brandon montour last year i don't think york is as dynamic as brandon montour but he's a skilled guy and maybe you put a guy like stall next to him even if they're not necessarily doing great by the advanced stats if that opens up york offensively in terms of point production it could all be worth it because maybe that unlocks a part of his game that he can keep even after mark stall is gone i bet that'll be where their their line of thinking is but i don't think they're going to look at Mark Stahl and say, okay, well, Cam York is, York is our most talented defenseman. That means Mark Stahl is on the top pair because yeah. he's 36, he's old, and he hasn't been peak Mark Stahl for like a decade. Uh, yeah, now. it's been a, it's been like yeah. since we like that 2011 team we keep bringing up. Like that's <laughs> that's his era, but he's still effective. Uh, he, I mean, we don't love what he did in Florida last year, but. It's true. He played those minutes, and he they went to the, the minutes. They went to the Stanley Cup yeah. final. He couldn't have been that bad. Exactly. Know? Exactly. Uh, I, I just for people who might be new to the show, don't know my opinion about lefties playing the right side. I fucking love it. Uh, I was. <laughs> well, you were now, a defenseman. No, I was a bad high school defenseman, but I was a lefty who played the right side, and I just. If you are looking to generate offense, it's so easy. You're facing the net. Yeah. Like, you don't have to go across your body. And, it, like, you're right there. And I really like the idea of cross-training one of these guys to play the right side because we talked about the other day. What if the guy, quote-unquote, is a lefty? And they like, oh, well, who can play the right? We got to go find a right. Like, or just have the best players out there yeah. and have somebody able to do both or a lefty, like whatever it is. It's, it drives me nuts because lefties grow up playing the right side a ton because there's so many left-handed defensemen. Yep. They can do it. Just give them the opportunity. So I really like this well, idea. Unless, unless gonna you're play me. So I didn't play in high school, but I did play. I played for, in a ton of like rec leagues and for fun and stuff. And I did not get the memo that if you write right-handed and if right if you're right-hand dominant, you should shoot lefty. So I taught myself to shoot right-handed, even though I probably shouldn't have. It's back and forth, but for from what I can tell, like defensemen especially, because you have one hand on your right. stick. But I am a natural lefty, and it was like my parents didn't know anything about hockey. They're like, you're left-handed by a left-handed yeah, exactly. stick. I hold it like I hold a baseball bat. That like, was my what, thought. Yeah. yeah, that's what you do. But like. A lefty is probably a natural righty, and then you have your dominant hand on the stick. You right. play so much poke checking, yeah. that sort of thing. So it makes sense why there's so many left-handed defensemen. I play forward. So I just try to it. score goals. Yeah, <laughs> dudes do it. It happens. Uh, but that, so that's your your locks on defense, and then in net, pending whatever. Carter Hart is your number one goalie. Danny Briere said it to you two days ago. He's our number one. Right. And it doesn't sound like. I mean, again, pending whatever. It sounds like they're going to go with him a lot. Now, yeah. if Urson makes the team instead of Sandstrom or Peterson or whatever, uh, maybe that's different because they want to get him games, and we'll talk about the goalie battle. But as of now, it sounds like Carter Hart's just going to play. Yeah. And I, play a ton. I think they're still trying to make up their mind as to whether he's part of this long-term solution. And obviously, the Hockey Canada thing's, thing looms large over all of this. But the fact of the matter is, is that Carter Hart is kind of in a way similar to guys like Tippett, where we know they're good. The question is, can they be great? And Carter Hart has yet to take that leap into greatness. He is a good goalie. He is a legitimate NHL number, number one, one starting goalie. goalie. Yep. Is he great yet? No, he's no. not. But he's young enough where he still could, especially at a goalie position where sometimes guys later. break out later. You peak later, and yeah. when you're good, you're good forever. Like that's that's the hope is maybe he's just one of these goalies who's going to be great at 36. Like that's and, and hopefully it doesn't take that long. Yeah, right. it's Eleven <laughs> years from now, but just like he's not Tim Thomas. Yeah, but hopefully <laughs> he's just one of these goalies that it, like his peak is not okay, and then like it he plateaus for a while. Yeah, that's the hope with him. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's like 15 roster spots right there. Yeah. Out of. 23. It's a lot of it. And they might not even go with 23. They might go with 22. It, they very well could. Then we have these returning bubble guys. They're not rookies. They're not prospects. But they're certainly not established. And they're going to be in some battles. Uh, we start with Wade Allison, 
Nick Sealer, who we know they really like. Uh, Tanner Lazinski, who we know they really don't. <laughs> yeah, and right. Felix Sandstrom, who, man, if I'm making a depth chart, I guess I have him ahead of Peterson just because he's here, but like... Maybe not. Probably not. Yeah, maybe like, not. He's an NHL goalie. At least he has been in the past. He had Felix Sandstrom yeah. ain't, as he far had as I can tell. He had percentage last year. Yeah. And granted, we talked about this, how he wasn't necessarily put in ideal situations when he played. But honestly, neither was Urson, And Urson performed better in those situations than Sandstrom did last year. So Sandstrom is fascinating because he was, for all intents and purposes, the primary backup goalie last year. And now entering this year, and we'll get into the battle in a little bit, he kind of enters camp maybe is not an afterthought but not a favorite to, to get that job again no especially considering like it was now they didn't play him because they didn't really want to last year but considering he was the backup for a majority of the season he's not the, he's not expected to retain that role i would guess no no i don't think so either so sandstrom is going to be fascinating we mentioned wade allison wade. he's he's in a battle for a lot of positions and we're going to talk about yeah. this probably these, the next segment but he he could end up in a lot of places or he could end up on the bench he could end up in the press box of these four bubble guys allison sealer lazinski sandstrom i would say the only one that is in my mind a favor to be dressed on opening night uh, favorite to be dressed on opening night is Nick Sealer. Yeah, it would just because like maybe it's Zamula, maybe one of these kids just blows the doors off and they have to put him on the team, but they like Nick Sealer. Yeah, I, I think that Sealer is very close to being a there's no way he's not on the roster somehow type of lock. He's not quite there because he's a third pair defenseman. And you know what? Those guys always have to earn it pretty much unless you're a third pair defenseman that's making $6 million a year because then you're just kind of stuck with them. And even uh, then you might just send him down to the minors. But Sealer, they love. He had a really good year last year. He was on my Ashby ballot. I think I had York number one, but I think I had Sealer number two. Really? Yeah, I he convinced I, stack guy charlie his stats were good last year really good actually <laughs> he was pretty deep no like, I, I think my my top three was i was york number one sidler number two and then rasses wrist aligned and number three <laughs> gritty was third but somehow ivan Proveroff won the award even though i don't know anyone i know Stuffed. one person who voted Fake. for him Fake one. news wild wild stuff Fake there news. anyway i'm not gonna anyway. go down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole whatever but, it's a new season but it's yeah, over i would expect sealer makes this roster but given how many young players young defensemen there are battling for spots and legitimately good young defensemen prospects they like you can't just pencil him in if he goes out there and just flops in camp yeah they'll think about the idea of well, you know, we like Jenning. We, yeah, we, we, we want Jenning on, on the team. Andre's killed it. Yeah, we know if we send Nick Sealer through waivers, we know he's gone, but maybe we just don't need him anymore. It's possible. And that's not likely, like, but possible. I think he's a favorite, but not, you know, the he's not a he's not a lock that I would go bet at DraftKings. You know, that's that's yeah. how I would yeah, go sure. Go bet at DraftKings. Probably. <laughs> uh but yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they're taking all sorts of action on Flyers, Flyers <laughs> <laughs> opening night. So roster. much action. Uh but we're gonna get to some of these uh I'm gonna start some of these battles just before we do the next uh before yeah, we do the next. Yeah, let's kick it off read. with the, the top because nine. There's wins there's, there's a there's top nine spots open or spot. <laughs> really right. when when we're looking at and that's the first roster battle we have for you and yeah there's five guys in the you know top six uh, that we assume are going to fill that out but the top nine the, on the way i just mean like yes yes because of the position exactly yes the centers are pretty much couturier kate's frost so that's locked down but there's one spot i would say available at wing because you assume Konechny, Farabee, Atkinson, Tippett, and Lawton. Lawton's the only one who's like, well, he can play anywhere. But the fact of the matter is the guy scored a lot of points last year. He had maybe his best season of his career. And the coach He's, loves him. Yeah, the coach loves him. He's going to be in the top nine. That leaves one spot available for someone else to take on the wing, whether it's the left side or the right side. They can find a way to make that work. But... Five guys, I would say, in the mix for that spot with the guy we've been talking about since we started the show last week, Tyson Forrester, kind of at the top of the list. That's Tyson Forrester, I would guess, 
is, I mean, we made him a favorite to make the team. I doubt they want him playing fourth line, you know, seven minutes a game next to Nick no, Gloria. No, he's got to be in the top so nine. So he's got to be in the top nine. Yeah. Uh, then it's him, Wade Allison, Bobby Brink, Elliot Desnoyers, and uh, you you actually put Ali Likesell in there. I mean, he got a decent amount of, of chances last year, was really impressive last year at camp, so I could see him being really impressive again this year at camp, and he's still kind of a prospect. This is a guy who led the AHL team in scoring in points last year. He had a good year, and I certainly wouldn't consider him a favorite, but I do think that maybe we're not talking enough about him because he's been around for so long. We talk a ton long. about Brink and Desnoyers and Allison's that throw in of, well, he should be here, but right. we'll see. Right. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to win over the coach. And then Likesell's just, it's Likesell, right? Lixell. Lixell. Okay. I feel like it has changed. Oli Lixell. I feel like it has changed a few times. I think times. that might just be you not knowing how to pronounce uh, words. The, you know, that's always <laughs> on the table. If we had to order these guys, uh, I would say Forster, odds on favorite. He's got a flop. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, then... Uh, where would you go from there? I think, Allison I, second? I, I think Allison is the he's the backup plan if Forrester doesn't play well because he can play that role. He can play third line, right wing. He's done it. He could even play the left wing. They tried him out on the left side near the end of the year, I think, to, to have that flexibility knowing what was coming this season. So if Forrester doesn't play well, I would make Allison the odds-on favorite. Bobby Brink's in there. I think Brink has to significantly outplay Forrester. I'm not expecting him to do that, but he could. He's, he's a talented or guy. He could outplay is, him. This is also the Flyers. Uh, nine dudes could get injured. True. You never know. <laughs> like, but that's a really that's, good point. I'm looking at like, Bobby Brink. You know, we, we talked about how um, Briere was almost responding to LaPerriere's yes, criticism. I he was. And it was like, oh, okay, Forster, listen, he's not hard. Like, we're not writing him off. You know, okay, it wasn't great, but... It didn't maybe matter all that much for Forster. I think it mattered for Brink. And it's like, yeah, yeah, man, you are the one who had to blow us away. And it started with the rookie games, and you did not. Yeah, and I think, too, it's just that, number one, I just think Forster's a better all-around no, yeah, prospect better than Bobby player. Brink. But number two, it's the fact that Forster, and I, I, I was at both these rookie games, he had definitely good parts you know, he showed not just flashes. He was legitimately, in my mind, good in the first period of game one. He was strong along the boards. He did things where you thought to yourself, you know what? Give him an NHL center. He probably scores two goals in this game. He just needs somebody to set him up. And these are all also prospects. He's not the fastest dude. He needs someone to kind of carry him along to get him in the offensive zone to make those plays. Brink, on the other hand, aside from the power play, I didn't think he looked good at all. And it's hard for me, aside from his work on the power play, to point out bright spots. And this is a guy who already came into camp behind someone like Forrester in the battle to make a to make a jump. So we're gonna go Tyson one, Allison two, Desnoyers three. Is Brink last? <sighs> the thing with Desnoyers is that while I think Desnoyers has a chance to make the team, like him making the team on the third line for what, this specifically like he could not he as, could okay it's possible but he would need to really score a lot of points and convince them in preseason that like this guy needs to be on the team and maybe we don't want to mess with our fourth line so sure throw him on the third line see what he does like he could fit because he can kind of play anywhere but brink is more of a top nine or bus guy denoye is a guy where if he plays well enough in camp they'll find a spot for him and that spot might happen to be on the third line you know right now we're talking about uh, you know players looking to earn that flyers jersey that gear well if you're looking to get some gear you don't have to earn it man you can just go to foco because foco has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms it's football and tailgating season it's getting cold out there man it's it's like brisk i wore jeans and wasn't sweating for the first time in a couple of weeks day today it's it's, it's pretty nice out there tailgates are coming up eagles just around the corner red october coming you need your warm weather stuff overalls hoodies hats sunglasses bags foco has everything you need for a game and if you're looking for cool whether you're looking for cool team apparel or you know the accessories toys novelties things like we have right behind us cool collectible stuff for that man cave foco has you there as well they always have our back for philly sports and they have yours too get the best gear around by using the link in our description and for all non-presale items use promo code phly that's promo code phly for 10 percent off at foco 
You can't go wrong. You really can't. I like that setup. I was happy with that. That was real good. I was happy Props with that. Props to you, one. man. Uh, so that's like, for those top nine spots, that's what we're looking like. It's going to be Tyson Forster, barring horrible yeah, camp and or injury. Barring a Cam York-esque camp from last year. Where they just can't give it yeah, to him. Yeah, I, I think I would say Forrester's the favorite. If Forrester flops, it's probably Wade. And, the, and then... Guys like Brink. Brink needs to blow the doors off. Denoye needs to not only impress, but also score a lot to be put in a top nine role. And Lixell needs to basically have an even better camp than he had last year when he really put himself on the map just because there's more competition this year. All right, so that's that's what we're talking about with those spots on the top nine. But that's not the only competition amongst the forwards. No. There's also this fourth line role, and it's it's really really difficult to look at this uh, these fourth liners and not just go Nick Delorier's playing. Yeah, well, you know? <laughs> it, and again, we said that Delorier and Hathaway, like they're making the team. That said, they're still battling for a fourth line job for game one. And we have this list of eight guys. You would think that the fourth line is going to, assuming there aren't any injuries, which again, it's the Flyers, they're very well yeah. could be. <laughs> you would assume the fourth line will probably be some combination of these eight players. And to me, the chalk pick in terms of a fourth line is Deloria at left wing, Ryan Paling at center, and then Garnet Hathaway at right wing. That's yeah. But that doesn't mean it's a lock because if you're a fourth liner, you got to earn your spot. And there's going to be kids. Wade Allison, if he doesn't get that top nine role, he could be a fourth liner. He can fit in that spot. Tanner Lazinski's trying to bounce back after a rough year developmentally last year. Elliot Desnoyers, I think, honestly, out of the prospects, has the best chance. has the best chance because he can play center, he can somebody. play wing, and he plays a fourth line style. So I That's think when they talk about the details of his yes, game, yes. they mean he doesn't make the dumb mistakes that get fourth liners sent to the AHL. Exactly, exactly. Like he's not, he might not wow you. If he does, he might be in our top nine. Yeah. But if he just does the little stuff that he's proven he's pretty damn good at, he could be a fourth liner in this league right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just looking at that, and it's yeah. You know, I'm a, I love Ryan Paling simply because he scored that hat trick in his debut. Yep. And then I said he was going to then the next year as, you know, after his only career NHL game was the all-time leader in goals per game. He scored three, played one. That's a huge number. Yeah. I said he was going to win. That was an accurate stat I said he was going to win the Calder the next year. Well, over the last three seasons, he has scored... <sighs> 17 total goals. <laughs> uh, now the Flyers, I think they give him 1.4, and he's an RFA after this. So uh, he's he's waiver exempt, right? No. 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 Okay. I, I'm fairly confident that he would need to but pass also, through waivers. He scored 17 goals well, over the last three years. They, so. They're looking at him, and they signed him basically because they want to see if they can turn him into something more. Now, at this point, he doesn't have the ceiling of a top six, or if he was going to show it, he would have shown it Probably already. Would have but I think the way they're looking at it with him is he's only 24. He's already shown that he can be a passable fourth line center. Maybe he can be more than that. That said, He's new to this coaching staff. Yeah. If he comes out here in preseason and training camp and either isn't in great shape or just doesn't look good in games, they're not wedded to him. And somebody like Elliot doing it, Desnoyers could easily beat him out for that fourth line center job and push Paling not to the minors necessarily, but, but to the press but to the box. press box to be sure. So is I'm just like. I, I like Ryan Paling, and I love taking a swing on a guy. Like, even if it's a dumb, like, oh, let's see what he turns into. Like, they did with Chief Keefe last year, Kiefer Bellows. Uh, that's, that's why I wanted to draft <laughs> oh him, is because I wanted to call him You that. wanted to call him Chief Keefe. Like, well, you got to use it one time, get him, Yeah, get him on waivers, see what happens. Now, it didn't work out, I mean, what, do most I, of these things don't. Do, that's do why I wish, on waivers. in retrospect, they didn't pick up Kiefer Bellows and instead waited, like, another three weeks and picked up Ely Tolvanen instead? Yes, I do, yeah. but they didn't know Tolvanen was going to get waived yeah. when they picked up Kiefer Bellows. Yeah, that was a rough one. Uh, not going to lie, just looking at what uh, Tolvanen did. What was it in Seattle? Seattle, yeah. Uh, broke out right away. Yeah. Was the guy. He was immediately for Coach Dave Hackstall. Yeah, right. Doing the thing we expected him to do when we thought the Flyers were drafting him because NHL Network told us they were drafting him. They sure him. did. And then, of course, they uh, take Morgan Frost. Yeah. Who will, you know. He's an NHL player, too. He's an too. NHL player. Yeah. It all worked out in the end, but sort of. 
that's <laughs> like now it, there's not as much emphasis on like god damn it we need the goal scorer because we have a bunch of them right. but he was so much that you know this guy puts the puck in the net and we have no one who does that yeah it's a team of pastors yeah. we're just bums yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> and uh, but you know, whatever here we are now with ryan paling and we'll see how it works out but he is Probably like you, you went down the chalk for that fourth line. I would say he's the favorite. He's the one that can be supplanted, though. Like Delorier is gonna play. Yes, and Hathaway Hathaway is probably gonna play because he's pretty damn good. That's the thing. Like I don't know if Hathaway is a lock, but I just think he's going to make himself a lock because it's a darn good fourth liner. Delorier is not a darn good fourth liner, but he is the designated protector of the kids in this lineup. So you would think more often than not, he's going to play. Charlie, I have to watch this team. I want to see some fucking fights. (laughs) All right. Fair. I don't know what else to tell you. Fair enough. Is it, is it Neanderthal thinking? Is it, uh, you know, a way of hockey that is long since passed by? Yes. Do I still love the fights and want to see the fights, especially for if I have to watch a team that's never going to win? I want to see some carnage. You want to see some face like, punching? Yeah, like, Jesus, Jesus, like, show me the damn fights. So <laughs> I want him in this. You and a lot of Flyers fans. I want him in this freaking lineup, Chuck. Uh, so that's that's the fourth line. So is, we see it working out right now. Forster is on that, is in that top nine. Right. And probably paling with Delorier and Hathaway. But there is a chance maybe Denoyer that's the most on. likely one to supplant. Yeah, I would say Denoyer definitely the most likely. Tanner Lozinski needs a big camp. I just don't know if I trust him to have that big camp. But he's in the mix. He can play center and wing, and he'll get a shot. And I'm you've sure. liked him in the past. I have. I have. I don't know. After all the injuries, I just don't know if he's the, if same, he's the same guy. Same guy. But yeah, I, I like his skill set. I think he's got talent. I think he could he could make it work somewhere else. Just might not be here. Beyond those two, Lixell probably more of a top niner. But I think if he's going to make it in the NHL, he needs to be a bottom sixer. So I don't think they would rule out the possibility of having him be on the fourth. He's line. someone whose development won't be hurt by playing seven minutes a game. Exactly. He kind of just is what he is. Exactly. Okay. And then there's Rhett Gardner. Who no what? one knows who he is. He's not a real person. Yeah, right. He's not real. No, he uh, been... he was a signing in the offseason. He's mostly a quad A guy, but I'm sure you're gonna see him in preseason games. Oh, so there he is. This is a good time for you to familiarize yourself with Rhett Gardner and his, I think, two points in like 40 NHL games so far. His uh his status on cap friendly just says training camp. Beautiful. <laughs> That's and I've been <laughs> on cap friendly for all, all week and no, he's there. He is yep. a real person. I did not know who he was. Yep. And I've been looking at this. Am I expecting him to make the team? No. But, he's but in I the can't mix. rule it out entirely. And like with this coaching staff you and never the know. dumb shit that they're going to prioritize. And I like the coaching staff for the most part. Do they do some stuff I disagree with? Yeah, because they're hockey coaches and I'm not. <laughs> so obviously, <laughs> obviously, I dis- yes. like, obviously, I disagree with them sometimes. <laughs> but I, they're going to, they prioritize different things than I do sometimes. Maybe he shows them those stupid things and he makes the team. It's not out of the realm of possibility since you're bringing it up and that brings us to this defense which is i mean you heard us go through the top four and it's two guys who are at best second pair dudes <laughs> in sandheim and ristolainen cam york who we're still hopeful on because he hasn't taught us to hate him yet right and uh mark stall who's 144 years old <laughs> and then a Slight bunch exaggeration, of dudes but battling the for this third spot as you can see in the graphic here they are all kind of battling you know they bring over sean walker from la in that you know salary dump right. the three-way deal to send Provorov out so sean walker's you know nick sealer a dude we know that they love when it came to the trade deadline it was like nah we need like franchise altering return yeah. for nick freaking seal still, still bonkers <laughs> to me that they did not trade nick seal absolutely the idea that they could have got a first plus for lawton at the draft and it was like no i'm like okay you want culture etc i get it not really, but I get it. <laughs> but Nick Sealer, like, this is, and I like him. No, I like I him too. I like him. But like, yeah, we're holding on. Well, but I, you know, you know what it was? probably one of the favorites. I don't even know. It probably, I think this came after the trade deadline, so we can't even say this was the reason. But what it really was is that they remember that one highlight real goal he scored. Yeah. It was just like maybe the goal of the year for the Flyers. <laughs> and they're like, we can't afford to get rid I of this guy. When dudes, he's going he's to win the Norris. Are you I, kidding me? I love when dudes break that stuff just to show you like, 
I've been good my whole life. Oh, yeah. You know, just just well, to remind yeah. you that they're NHL players. Well, it's, it's I like, love when those dudes break that stuff out. It's like how, I mean, we were just saying, and I, in, in passing, basically said that Nick Delurier is not that great of a fourth liner. If Nick Delurier stepped on the ice in a beer league game, no. he would score 10 goals. No, he shows up to the <laughs> men's league. He's dangling everyone. Yes. And, he, and, like, he's, if he goes to the AHL, he's better than half. The, like, he goes anywhere in the world. We're talking about the NHL. Exactly. Here. Like, for everyone, like, oh, look at Bill. Yes, I know. Look at me. I'm ridiculous. <laughs> I can't comment on anyone's actual ability. But we're comparing them to other NHLers. Right. Like that's the right. that's the conversation here. Uh, but Nick Sealer, he's probably the fa- one of the favorites to be on that third pair. And then you look at Igor Zamula. Uh, no longer waiver exempt. They have just, you know, I've talked about myself personally being pot committed to guys. I want to know how it works out. Damn. They just have to feel as if, man, we have put a lot into developing this guy. It's been a few years. We've brought him along. He was an invitee. And now all of a sudden, like he earned a spot and then he's in you know, the Phantoms. We've brought him up. He's played some NHL games. I feel like they're going to want him not to have to go through waivers. You know, you forget that he made the roster out of yeah, camp last yeah. year. Cam York got sent down. Igor Zamula jumped him briefly on the organizational depth chart. Now, he did nothing with the opportunity, which was a bummer. And then by the end of the year, Cam York was a, a solid top four defenseman. He had solidified that spot. And Igor Zamula was still flailing around kind of in the AHL. So he didn't have the best year. But there was a point where they were really high on Igor Zamula. And not just that. They as in the organization. I'm talking about they as in John Tortorella and the people that actually have power now. So to me, it would be very hard for me to imagine Igor Zamula not making the roster. I don't know if he would get claimed. My guess is that someone would give him a look. That said, maybe we're overrating him. He wasn't under after free agent. He is on the older side now. He hasn't played much NHL. So it's possible he could slip through. I just don't think they're going to take the risk. I think they like him too much. And we also know, maybe they don't take the risk because they don't want to. We also know that time of year, roster cutdowns, end of training camp, Everyone's trying to get their guys through waivers, and there is that. It's not the same as the handshake, wink, wink agreement on offer sheets. Like, you don't fuck with our guys, we won't with yours. I'm sure it's but a little bit a there. a little sure. bit, especially that time of year. Yeah. Like, yeah, in December when we got three injuries and you're putting someone on, yeah, we're taking them because we're out of guys. Right. But that time of year, I do feel like there is a little bit of that offer sheet thing where it's... Yeah, we can, but you want me to do it to you? It's it's also just the fact that you spent an entire camp evaluating your guys. You made the decision that this guy earned a job, and then you're just going to pick up this random dude from another organization and send that guy who for three and a half weeks weeks worked his ass off to earn a spot, and you're just going to send him down because Igor Zamola, we, one of our yeah. scouts, went to bat for him in the room. Like It happens, but it doesn't happen all the time because— Guys get teams get wetted, GMs get wetted to their to their rosters that they've built over the course of training camp. So he could slip through. I just don't see the Flyers risking it. But that opens the question up of if he makes the team, does he make the team as the seven? Or if he makes the team, are they immediately shoving him into the lineup? And if they are, who sits? If we had to uh, break this roster battle for this third pair into tiers, Mm -hmm. me personally, I'd want to go Walker, Sealer, Zamula, first tier. Yes. And then the rest of the guys below that. Yeah, I would I would probably put it as Walker you, Walker Sealer Zamola is top is top tier. Is with Grimes, with, does he have an argument to be in that tier no. or is he definitely below? No, to me so to me actually, and this is me just spitballing, I would say you have that top tier with Walker and Sealer kind of leading that because they are the established NHL veterans. To me, then tier two is Adert and Jenning, actually. I think those two guys are the two guys closest. Then you've got Andre, probably maybe part of that tier, but probably a step below Jenning and, and Adert. And then you have Granz and Victor Mete kind of in the... Okay. Like, I don't think Granz is close. I, I think that it's possible because you never know this organization. Again, this, yep. this coaching staff isn't, isn't familiar with him. If he just goes out there and kills it, maybe they get sold. But to me... 
compare him to say somebody like Ronnie Adder, who spent the entire season in the AHL last year, got a brief look at the NHL level at the end of last season. They know him. They know what he is. Same thing with Jenning. They like him. They've seen him play. Granz needs to win over everyone in the organization, a bunch of people who just don't know him. So and to me, he's below, he's, he's even below somebody like Andre, who, yes, he's a prospect, but he has that, well, he needs to get used to the end of the, the North American game. We'll give him some time in the AHL. And we just know how important, you know, uh, being familiar with a guy like in this. Yeah, exactly. And it's just not this organization. We'll knock this organization. But like, how long have we talked about? Yeah, we know this guy's going to make mistakes, but we know what mistakes he's going to make because we're familiar with him. So we're going to go with that over the unknown of, yeah, we don't we're not sure about which mistakes some dude who just joined is going to make. So we can't go with him. You know what's like there's always you know what also can be unknown? how you're going to get into a game without tickets. You know, it's always tough. Uh, it's last minute, I want to go to this game tonight. You know, a guy got scratched, and all of a sudden I want to go. But game time has you covered for that because buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't ever be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets Start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. How much fun are we going to have watching this team? Well, it's up It's up for debate right now. Hopefully, if Delorier plays a lot, we'll have a ton of fun watching them. You will, but, at least. Yeah, I will have a ton of fun. <laughs> but it doesn't matter whether you know, you're know you planning well in advance or you're waiting until the last minute because Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find the same, if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Now that's that's confidence in one of your locks sure right there is. to uh, combine some of our reads. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Uh, it's fun that we're not guaranteed that it's going to be the lowest price defenseman because they actually have some cap space. Yeah, you know, right. That's exactly. A fun, that's a fun transition there. Yeah. Uh, but like uh, I said, if we're going to break this into tiers, Walker, Sealer, Zamula, that's your top end. Is it wide open though? Like, yeah, they're likely, but you know, we're, we talked. Yeah, it's probably the fourth line's the fourth line, and like the top nine is probably the top nine. Is this the spot where there's the best chance for someone to be surpassed? Uh, At least in one of the th you know two three spots. It's hard for me to imagine. I'm not saying it can't happen. It's hard for me to imagine Nick Sealer not in the starting lineup. I just think he's earned a lot of leash given the fact that he was really good last year and i don't think that they, do they look at him like a veteran because i'm just in my head like i think they do oh, you're gonna put york and you're gonna put him with stall and like okay if zamula's gonna actually play over walker are they gonna is nick sealer looked at as the veteran there because they're not gonna have like two young guys together no, you know and, and i think so I, I think they would look at sealer as like a stabilizing presence for someone like zamula so to me sealer is i'm not quite writing him into the game one starting lineup in ink but you know it's i'm writing with pretty hard pencil i'll put it that way walker to me is the opportunity because this is a guy who i, I they don't know him well they don't know him and also to me Number number one, he was essentially a cap dump. You know, that's why they got him, because L.A. was trying to dump salary. And I think the way the Flyers looked at it was, well, he's a right-handed shooting defense. We don't have many of those. He can take the minutes. We just traded Proveroff. Sure, we'll find a spot for him. It's good to have NHL depth. Then they found out shortly after the start of free agency that – for some reason, Mark Stahl was willing to go to a rebuilding team, so they signed into a cheap deal. Now, suddenly, Sean Walker isn't as important because there was, an, there was a scenario where Sean Walker maybe started out the season in the top four if they don't get Mark Stahl. Now, he's a third-pair defenseman who they don't know. Igor Zamola can play the right side. If they want to get Igor Zamola in the lineup, to me, it's way more likely he pushes out Walker. He pushes Walker down to the press box or up to the press box. Then he pushes Nick Sealer out. Then you have Ronnie Adder, who also is close, and he actually does shoot right-handed. So to me, 
Adert and um, Adder and Zamola are, are very much gunning for that Walker spot. I think both of them are. This is part of the reason why I, I hesitate as much as they like Jenning. I hesitate to say he has a really good chance because to me, he might have to push out Sealer. I just don't know if he can do that. Sealer was good last year. And definitely, and you know, things could change as the season goes on. Jennings could look great. Sealer could be a guy who goes to the deadline, whatever it is. Or and he then, could flop. Yeah, I mean, or he could Nick, just Nick think, Sealer yeah. was, was good last year, but yeah. he hasn't been that good most of his career. No, it's, there's a reason they have him, because yeah. he was available. Yeah. You know? That's, that's, who, that's who he is. So we'll see. But that's, I, I look at the, I guess, amongst the skaters, the most open competition is, when I said, you know, the bottom pair, it's, it's the Sean Walker spot. Right. It's, we'll see who, it, it, Sean Walker, like it's his spot. It might not even actually be penciled in like that yeah exactly. it could just be wide open but then we get to the final uh, roster battle we're going to discuss today and it is for backup goaltender yes carter hart is the established number one and as uh, we had a comment earlier like i don't know contradicting us but just trying to say like oh he's he established himself as a pretty good number one behind a horrible defense True. we both like carter hart's game and think there's another level yeah. but we also need to see that other level exactly. he's not stealing them listen he played a ton last year and they were the seventh worst team in hockey yeah he's not stealing them games yet he's not in that stealing games like level he was on that but level he might for, have it he was on that level for maybe the first month and a half of last season and you're like oh shit this dude might be taking the leap and then and he came back to earth. He wasn't bad. He just came back to earth and played okay the rest of yeah. the year. But for that six-week period, you were thinking to yourself, oh, man, are they going to play themselves out of a, a top draft pick because Carter Hart has a Vesna year out of nowhere. Yeah. So, And that's, I guess, the fear, but also, like... I, it wouldn't be the worst thing. Like, like, yeah, it might not be the best thing for the rebuild, but for us, it would be kind of fun. Yeah, whether they're going to keep <laughs> him. I got to watch this team anyway. Whether they're going to keep him or trade him, it would be good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> either way, it wouldn't be horrible. But behind Carter Hart is the, I suppose, incumbent uh, Felix Sandstrom, uh, Sam Arison, who came on last year and looked really good in like seven of his eight starts or whatever yep. he ended up playing. Yep. And then the dude, they, man, they just took on all sorts of guys from, from LA they sure to, did. to help them open up some cap, get some draft uh, picks, LJ Grons, who a bit of a, I guess, reclamation project. If he's going to be here, potentially the veteran in the AHL, whatever it is, but that's your battle there. Um, I have to say Ursan's the favorite just because I know the coach liked him. I just think he's the best goalie. Like, to me, he's the favorite not because I'm trying to predict you know, what's going to be going through their heads and whatnot. To me, he's the favorite because he's the best goalie out of the three. Cal Peterson, two and a half years ago, looked like he was going to be the heir apparent to, uh, to Jonathan Quick. Then the last two seasons, he's been terrible to the point where he got sent down to the AHL last year. Felix Sandstrom got his shot to be the backup goalie last year. Urson was better. So you've got Urson against a guy who was so bad last year in the NHL that he got demoted and a guy who he was better than last year in the NHL. So that's why, to me, Urson is the favorite. It's possible, though, he struggles. You never know. It's also possible that they look at it as, well, we want to get him a lot of games, and he'll get more games in the AHL than the NHL. That said, he got a lot of games last year in the AHL. I think this is when you want a guy like Urson, who they think very highly of. So highly, they signed into a two-year extension a year early this past summer. So they think he's going to be part of the future. And if he's part of the future, get him in NHL games and let him play. I guess when they first acquired Cal Peterson, I looked at it and was like, oh, okay. I know him and didn't like look at his numbers. Oh my God. <laughs> I had no idea. One, he only made nine starts and played 10 total games last year. And he had an 868. Yeah, it was real bad. That doesn't sound possible. And he's getting paid $5 million a year uh, on the cap. I can, now you can see why they wanted to get rid of him. His career traje trajectory is wild. Like, as a rookie, granted, only 10 starts, but 924. Next year, 922 and only eight starts. But then 911 and 32, you can live with that as yeah, a backup. That's why they thought he was going to be the then, guy. Like, 35 starts. 895 not ideal but we've had plenty of goalies with those numbers and then last year 868 yeah the floor just fell off 
from under. Oh my god! Yeah, so we'll see. On like a pretty decent team. Yeah, in LA. I mean, LA was <laughs> a playoff team. Yeah, they were a playoff <laughs> team. So I, I think there's you know there's obviously a hope that maybe he can be a reclamation project. Maybe he turns it around with a new coaching staff, and that can't be ruled out. But he was just so bad last year, and it wasn't just last year; it was bad the year before. That you wonder if he's just lost it. And uh, those are the roster battles. And now, as training camp goes on, I think you and I both expect Ursan to kind of win this thing. Yeah, I think so. Um, but like, as training camp goes on, obviously we will update these roster battles. Maybe we'll have like these tiers I'm talking about, whatever it is. But we're going to continue doing that. Uh, I wanted to preview, start our Metro Division preview today, but we're already at like an hour three. We so. I'm not going to get into that, but I do just want to ask you before we wrap. Sure. Metro Division champ 2023-24, who's it going to be? The Devils. You, they're going to overtake the Canes? Yeah, I think so. I mean, the Canes are going to be real good again. I think again, so, too. But I think the Devils, I think they're, this is the year they, they take the leap. If the Canes are smart, they don't do the, oh, yeah, we're pursuing the President's Trophy and then they're going to crap out in the playoffs You're not again. Wrong. Like, maybe they go that Tampa Bay yeah. route And a the Devils were right yeah. there last year. They're, they finished a point behind. Yeah. Uh, Canes were 113, Devils 112. Yeah, so they've, they, they made was, some good moves this offseason. I felt like they have a couple uh, young prospects that are going to be taking the leap this year, most likely, onto the roster. The Devils just look real real good and the canes look real real good too like these those two teams to me are the obvious class of the division but i i think i think the last thing i did for the athletic if i remember correctly was vote in our metro poll of ranking the teams because i collaborated on a piece that we did like right as i was leaving and i'm about 99.9 percent sure i picked the devils to win it to win the division so i'm sticking with it it's man this division is it's finally what we wanted it to be like the pens and caps are on their way down and like we have these young guys and they're like 24-ish, making their way. Yeah, Flyers, yeah. Dead last. Second to last <laughs> Second behind to last. Columbus last year, fair, who, was, who wasn't even a real team. Like, that's the... the they the, just the, gave up. The points totals in this were nuts. Like, 113, 112, Rangers 107, Isles 93. They pushed the Pens out late. Uh, Pens at 91, Caps 80. They had a bad year. Flyers 75, horrible. Blue Jackets, 59. Yeah, everyone got hurt, and then they gave up. <laughs> they just straight up gave up, and then they hired a coach and then fired him before the season started. Fun right. times at Columbus. <laughs> it really is. And that is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers for today. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search PHLY wherever there are podcasts, and you will find us. Also, I searched hockey today, and we were one of the top. Uh, we were one of the uh, Love that. top. So just Thanks search so hockey, much, and we're, we're right up there uh, with like 32 thoughts and all those top shows so thank you all for your support but keep supporting us we could use it uh so that's it for us we will be back tomorrow at four o'clock again yep so uh make sure you after the first day of training after the first day of training camp i'll be there so i'll be telling you guys what i saw that'll be uh it's must see television must see youtube whatever you want to call it is so tune in for that uh my name is bill matz for charlie o'connor have a great week philly